I am so excited to welcome you to the Christ Journey family as we gather once again. And today's text, today's Bible passage is holds one of the most favorite verses for so many people. And um, if you have never heard it before, then I'm really excited that I get to be the one who brings it to your attention because it reminds us of how good God is, of how he keeps his promises, and how he wants good things for his people. It's Jeremiah 29 11. We're gonna bring it up on the screen so that everywhere, all of our campuses, all of those people joining us across the nation, around the world, I want all of us to get on the same page together and we're gonna take a breath wherever you're joining us, and speak this verse out loud, okay? Together. Don't repeat after me. Let's say it together. Here we go. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And I'm excited to hope that that gives you hope today, wherever you find yourself, and, um, and because God wants you to know this. God is in your corner. God has plans for you. God has a will for your life, and he wants you in on it to give you a future. This is an amazing promise. In fact, this is the kind of promise that if you're new to the Bible, you find all through the New Testament. This comes from the old part of the Bible, the Old Testament, but this kind of promise you'll find in the New Testament that is called good news. Um, but as you get to know your Bible, here's what you'll also discover. Every verse in the Bible has a context. It has a location. And in order to apply it appropriately, we don't just reach into the Bible and rip a verse out of its context and say, ooh, I like that one. That's for me. No, we understand it within its context. But I'm telling you, when you see this truth, this verse in its history, it definitely has good news, New Testament application for every believer because this verse is about the character of God and that character never changes. He's got plans for us. He's got plans for you. God has a will for your life. Jesus invited us to pray like this. Father, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In, order, in other words, God doesn't just have a will for our lives. Jesus says it's the kind of thing you don't want to miss out on. You want it to be part of your daily life, your daily prayer. Lord, bring your will into my life. What kind of will is it? Well, Jeremiah says it's the kind of will that doesn't want to harm you, wants to prosper you. And in Christ, we see that clear as day. Because in the New Testament, we learn that God takes all the harm into himself. On the cross, that's what Jesus did. God was in Christ, and now he opens the way of blessing so that he can bring peace, shalom, and prosperity into our lives. So I'm happy to begin with that truth because God wants to bring blessing into your life today. And if you, here's the thing, receive it, receive it, believe it. And if you dropped it along the way somewhere, it's time to retrieve it because it was meant for you, especially if you've been away from God for a while, especially if it's felt like God's been far away from you, if maybe you drifted off course, or maybe, you know, you just chose on purpose, you know, got distracted, got tripped up, maybe you got mad at God for something that happened, or maybe you feel like God is holding a grudge with you, or he's upset with you because of 
something that you did. When You know what? When God first made this promise, when he first made it public, his people had been behaving very badly. I mean, even to the point of some very desperately wicked things they had done. And as a result, God tells his prophets to tell the people that Judah is going to be taken into captivity. It's going to be taken to Babylon for 70 years. That's like a while, right? This is like forced detention. It's kind of like time out. You ever been in time out? For a very long time <laughs> of time out. It, or been grounded by your parents? You know, no electronics, no car, no snacks, no friends over. You're grounded. And you know, Some parents use grounding their, their kids like, um, like punishment. But what the people had been doing at this time, that's like, like an obstinate teenager. Judah had been uh, like an obstinate teenager with a bad attitude. And so the parent was responding, maybe you've done this to punish your kids. You disrespected me, you broke trust, you broke curfew, you cussed me, you didn't do what you said you would do, so guess what? You're grounded. But when God grounds Judah, it's not just being sent to your room. And it wasn't punishment as much as it was a discipline of development. When Judah got grounded, it was, it was more like a juvenile correctional opportunity. <laughs> it was a behavioral boarding school. The people of Judah were taken as captives to the pagan nation of Babylon. That's a four-month journey, 900 miles on foot, and there they would spend the next several decades. So when we read this verse in this chapter 29, Jeremiah is writing to the leaders of those who've been in exile for some time. Verse 1, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles, to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people King Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. He starts with the leaders, and then he takes it to everybody. You know, this message is for everybody that is now in time out. Verse 4, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Now, we're going to see that phrase three times in this text, so pay attention to that. This is what the Lord says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, and then find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too might have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. There's a second time, right? This is what the Lord says. Do not let prophecies the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not let, listen to the dreams that you encourage them to have because they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says the third time. It's like, anybody listening? The Lord says, when 70 years are completed, you know, I've got you on a clock, I've got you on a calendar, I'm paying attention, completed for Babylon, for Babylon, I will come to you, fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. And then what does he say? Let's read it together out loud. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans not, plans 
And then let me finish it. This is the Lord. He goes on. Then you will call upon me. You will come and you'll pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me and I will be found by you and I will bring you back from captivity. Now, this, they've been in a bad news scenario, right? I mean, it's not hard to imagine these people as deflated. And I've got in my pocket here a handful of deflated balloons. And Lily is going to come out and help me out. Would you welcome Lily, our lovely assistant today, to help me out with these deflated balloons. These people felt like there was no helium in their balloon. You know, the gas was gone. And, um, and then this letter arrives. Can you imagine? I mean, they've been there for a while, but this letter arrives, and it says this. God is with you. God, God has not forgotten you. God has you right where he wants you. In fact, God is ready to bless you. In Babylon? Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. This is like, I've got, God is not mad at you. God's not holding a grudge against you. In fact, God's got some surprises for you. Surprises like what? Well, I see three of them that are highlighted in the text by these words. This is what the Lord says. Three times we see that. So we're going to pay attention and kind of unwrap that part. And, and I want to summarize those three segments with three other words. One of them may be for you, or maybe all three of them would apply to where you are today. Here they are. Shine, slice, soar. Would you say those with me? Shine, slice, soar. Surprise number one. God says in Babylon, Build houses, settle down. Hey, wait a minute. I've been wishing, God, you would just get me out of here. And God says, no, I'm not going to do that. I took you there. I'm with you there. And I'm going to bless you there to be a blessing there right where you are. So build houses, plant gardens, eat the harvest, get married, have babies, and then have your babies as they grow up. Get your sons and your daughters married and have babies. Don't whine about where I've taken you. You're not just doing time. You're not just treading water. Bloom where you're planted. Surprise. Right? Now, yes, their disobedience had prompted the discipline. We see that. But here's what the story tells us. God doesn't rub their faces in the failures of their past. In this letter, he says, you know what? I want you to have families. I want you to build marriages. I want you to succeed in business. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city where I've carried you. The, what? Seek the blessing of our enemy? These pagans? Yeah. You know what? They need somebody to model what life with me looks like, where they can see it where they can experience it, and I want you to do that. But they took us captive. Okay, wait up. In the text, pay attention. Didn't God say at least twice, 
I carried you to Babylon. Yeah, look at the letter. In other words, there were larger hands at work behind the circumstances at the time. Babylon could not have touched you if I wasn't working on a bigger plan. That's what God is saying. So be a positive influence right there. And pray for the pagan city. Pray for it. Because if it prospers, guess what? You will too. A rising tide will raise every ship in the harbor. And they didn't drag you off without me. I've been with you the whole way. You've never been out of my reach. I carried you. You know what that means? You've never been out of my arms. Surprise. So what? So shine. Dark times, dark circumstances. Now's the time to shine in the dark place. Hey, believer, feel like God has you at a timeout? (laughs) Feel like um, maybe you've been grounded by God? That he sent you to your room? not letting you have your friends or your toys. Like circumstance has somehow um, just deflated you. You know, I don't know how it all came to be, but I can tell you that there is something. God is wanting you to know, I'm not absent. God's not absent. In fact, God is saying there's even something you can do. You can be a positive presence right where you are. In Babylon? Yeah. That's, that's, what I've, that's what I want you to do. And he said, there's three things you can do. You can build your marriage, you can raise your family, and you can be successful in business. So give yourself to doing that. And while you're doing that, keep the lines of communication open with me because that's where the flow of the, the lift comes from, right? It's like, wait a minute. You want us to st- keep talking? Yeah, Surprise, he's listening. He hears your prayers. That even though you may feel like you're in Babylon and even though you feel like you might be grounded, that he still wants to hear your voice? Yeah. Surprise number two. And then he goes on, he says, now don't believe everything you hear. I mean, you're living in a time of false truth. This is their... their, uh, Their time in Babylon, verse eight, this is what the Lord says, there it is again, third time. Don't don't listen to the prophets and diviners among you. They, They deceive you. Don't listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. What does that mean? Oh, the people that were already there had stuff they wanted to hear. And so there were special preachers who were willing to tell them what they wanted to hear. He said, don't listen to them. The prophets and the diviners, that's like the newscasters of their days, right? They know what the people want to hear, so they just give them what they want to hear. And God says, hey, wait, they are preaching lies to you. So uh, in my name, they're doing it. I mean, it's like wolves in sheep clothes. What's the action word we said we're going to need to remember? Slice. <laughs> you okay? All right. You gotta know when to slice through false truth. And let me tell you why, real quick. Because it's full. Uh, sorry about that. This is grown up church, though, I gotta tell you. Because false truth tends to be overinflated. And in a time where fake news is popular and people want to hear what they want to hear, they just say, hey, crank it up. 
Fill it up. Let's get it all the way up. And then it tends to get overinflated. And then guess what happens? It pops. And then people get hurt. And God says, you gotta, my people got to know how to tell the difference between fake news and real truth. It was happening there. Actually, God says they're frauds. They were using God's name as brand recognition and, and then saying something that wasn't from him. The word prophecy here means raving with ecstasy. I mean, they're all worked up about it. They've got their emotions all dialed in. They're going wild with the messaging. You know, more, more, bring it up, bring it up. And it sounds so convincing. And I'm telling you, when that happens in a culture, you need your truth filter to be able to see through that, to slice through that. How are you gonna do that? In a dark time, you don't just shine. You gotta know how to slice through the false truth especially when they're saying things that you want to hear. And yet the balloons that you think are going to give you lift are actually overinflated claims that are bound to pop. What are some overinflated truth claims in our day? I'm thinking about three. You may disagree with me, but I'm telling you this is what I'm seeing as I seek to shine in our dark place. The first one is prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel. And we got it in Miami and Southern Hemisphere. It's in a lot of places. You know, people speaking in God's name and quoting God's truth, supposedly, are telling you, this preacher, that prophet, this prophetess, whoever, you just give me your money and then God's going to make you rich. And I'm telling you, it's not true. Overinflated claims are going to pop. And when you go bust, you're going to want to blame God and think that he was behind that. And God says, nope, that wasn't me. The second one is politic gospel, political gospel. Now, this one usually comes all emotionally amped up. I mean, it's full of charges and alarms are going off, and you feel like, man, I better do something now because the only way to save the world and the only way to save my family and the only way to save my future and the only way to save this country is to vote that way. The only problem is both sides are saying the same thing. No, you got to vote this way if you really want to do it. And what I'm thinking is, no, by the way, Christians should vote. I believe Christians should vote. I believe you should vote your conscience. I believe you should vote what you believe the will of God. God is to the best of your understanding. But don't be deceived. Politics is not gospel. Third false gospel, personal identity gospel. This one is gone like rampageous. You know, have it your way on steroids in our culture. And emotivism is the philosophical name for it. Uh, the, the rationale behind it says this. Personal preference is the basis for every evaluative judgment. And in ethics, what it means is there are no objective moral facts. A thing is simply right or wrong because I feel it is. I feel it. In personal identity, what it means is what, what I feel tells me who I am and then determines what I do, which means that nobody can challenge me. Instead, everybody needs to endorse me. I am my own ultimate authority. Now, I hear that, and boy, my balloon starts filling up, and I want to say, yeah, crank that baby up. Let's get us some more of that going on here. Self-determinism is my right, except that that overinflated truth comes back to pop and people get hurt. 
better be able to slice through that, you know. I'm my own ultimate authority, and I just got to be and do what I feel. Okay, what if I feel like stealing? What if I feel like lying? What if I feel like killing some people? What if I feel like dying, killing myself? Self-determinism is my ultimate authority until what I feel overinflates me, pride, ego, narcissism, and then hurts people. Sounds overinflated to me. Got to know how to slice through that false claim of truth. And believers have been given tools to do that. Paul says, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the sword of spirit, which is the word of God, so that you can slice through these false claims. Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. So there really is such a thing as real truth, and God's truth, the spirit, the counselor, the comforter, will guide us. Jesus' spirit comes to be our counselor, our, and he guides us to understand what's really true. And then Jesus, so important to Jesus that when he prayed his final prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, John chapter 17, to the, for, the, for the disciples to the Father, he says, Father, sanctify them by truth. That means protect them, make them holy inside and out. Protect them by truth. Your word is truth. Believer. You want to slice through the lies and the overinflated truth claims, then you got to stay in the Word. And you need to ask the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit of truth, to make it alive to you, especially if you think you are in Babylon, a spiritual Babylon. Ask Him to make it alive to you. Surprise. This is what the Lord says, verse 11 I know the plans I have for you. That's where it shows up. Once you know how to shine and how to slice through, then he says, here, this is what the Lord says. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then he tells them, you know, I, I know how long you're going to be there, and I know how long you've been there, and as soon as, as long as you're supposed to be there is up, then I'm coming to get you out. You're on a clock. So here's the point. Whatever circumstance and whatever discipline you feel like you're under right now, God is saying, it won't last. I'm working on a larger plan. It's only, it's on a, you're on a clock. But I feel so deflated. You know, I feel like, it feels like it will never end. Okay, time out. Listen, that's that emotivism talking to you. The way I feel is what's, what's real. He says, no, it's not. There are larger hands at work behind what it is you're feeling right now. God is working to bring you a brighter future. Well, then what am I supposed to do in the meantime? While I'm waiting for the new day to dawn, I'm so glad you asked because that's where he concludes. He says, come to me. In your Babylon, come to me. Pray to me. Seek me. Seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you. Even when I'm in Babylon, Lord? Yes, especially there, my child. <laughs> I've got you in my arms, and I'm going to lift you and teach you how to soar. Soar with me to new heights. Thank you, Lily, for helping us today. Would you give her our appreciation? <laughs> what am I supposed to do while I'm waiting? 
Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep on shining in your dark place. Keep on slicing through those false truth claims. Keep on living the life, you know? Why? Because the real truth, Jesus says, is what sets people free. They don't get tangled up and trapped and held down. No, they rise and keep on soaring till they get lift off. And then you learn how to stay airborne. So how am I supposed to get ungrounded? If you feel like you've been grounded for whatever reason today, here, how do you do that? Don't whine. Shine in your dark place. We sang a song about that. You gotta speak, you gotta bring your hallelujah. Okay? And then don't believe every message you hear. Just because somebody says it real emotionally and sounds like they're coming with all these alarms firing. No, don't, and don't just listen to the messages you want to hear. Take time daily to let the God Spirit bring you into his truth and gird you. Jesus said it, critical time of temptation. Man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So take time daily for Bible reflection, not just reading a book, but for spending time with God where his spirit of truth can open the word of truth and bring freedom from truth into your life. Well, how long am I supposed to do that, Bill? Until you get airborne. Until you get lift. How about that? Get to know the Lord behind the book. Don't just read the book by the Lord, and don't stop until your spirit gets airborne. One of my most special adult memories that I have with my dad is when he invited me to go hot air ballooning with him. Our families were on vacation together. My girls were teenagers, and the women were all going to do some, like, whitewater river rafting together, and my dad says to me, hey, why don't we go? Uh, I've always wanted hot air balloon. I said, okay. I mean, it was my dad asking, you know, I have this thing about heights. I don't Really, and even, it happened to me last hour, it happened to me again this hour, my palms are sweating because I know I'm gonna tell you this story. And, um, and so I say, okay, we went up, we're gonna go up in one of those huge hot air balloons over Vail, Colorado in the Rocky Mountains. And so we go to the place and they fire up the burner and we watch this giant envelope inflate with heated air to full capacity. You know the, that hot air balloons float because the air caught inside the balloon is, is heated by that flame device. And, um, and I remember those beautiful colors just bulging out and then like lifting up there on our, our chariot to the sky that was gonna take us up. And, um, and I was nervous. I mean, I was excited, but I was nervous. I was happy to my dad asked me, but I'm just not a big fan of heights. And, uh, and yet, so we step in, there were three, the pilot, my dad, and me, and I remember we're stepping into this basket, and I'm wondering what. And then it lifts off, you know, and before I knew it, we're 500 feet off the ground. I'm starting to see the shadow, you know, right? Does this is us? And then we're 1,000 feet off the ground, and then we're still rising, you know. I mean, we're rising even higher and uh, soaring now, high above, right there, looking at the Rocky Mountains, and on the, and then we level off. And my dad is like leaning over the wicker, this basket, you know, and he's got his hands. He's just hanging out there like a dog, uh, with his head out the window of the car, and he's soaking it all up, you know. And I'm I'm back here. I'll just take a few photographs, Dad. You know, I'm taking it back here and I, I'm holding on to the, to the thing and, and while I'm taking photographs, I'm thinking, you know, the only thing keeping me not there 
and right here is a thin piece of plywood that's woven to a wicker basket. That's what I'm thinking. And, and then I'm looking up, and I see this fire, this flame burning, and I'm wondering, I wonder why that nylon doesn't catch fire. You know, this is going through my head. And my dad is like hanging out there. He says, this is the thrill of a lifetime. And I'm back there. My hands are sweaty right now. And I never let go of that basket the whole time we were up there. And we land, and he's cheering, and I'm going, oh, thank you. <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. But now I have more than a treasured memory with my dad and an amazing adventure that he wanted me on with him. And the spectacular view, breathtaking over these amazing mountains. Because at his invitation, we got ungrounded together. And that's nothing less than your heavenly father wants for you. to show you lift, to get you airborne, and to say, I know you've never been up this high. I know you're scared, but I got you, and I always will. You pray with me. What word is the Spirit saying to you right now? Shine. Stop whining. Shine by faith. Is he saying, you know what, you've been listening to the wrong voices and it's time to slice through some of that stuff. I know you like to hear it. That's why you listen to it. That's why you turn it up. But I need you to slice through these things that could hurt you and others and let me bring you lift. I want you to soar. So trust me in truth and let my truth set you free. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength and they will mount up with wings. Would you say, yes, Father, if you want me flying higher with you, then I'm open. Would you say yes to him right now? What's my next step, Lord? Trust you in my Babylon. Start spending time in your word. Let your spirit teach me how to listen and obey your voice. You want me to build my family? You want me to, to strengthen my marriage? You want me to, to learn how to succeed in business? I want to do that. Have your way, Lord. Or maybe today, you just like to start a relationship with a God like that. If God really does care about you like that, then you'd be open to say, then I want to, I, show me how, Lord, okay? Ask Jesus to come into your life. Let his spirit cleanse you and forgive sins. Remove every obstacle between your relationship with you and God. You can say it right now. Lord, forgive me my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Come into my life. I receive the gift of salvation. And now, lead me. Lift me. Take me higher as I trust your word and turn from my way and learn to live your way. 
Now, if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, I'm going to invite you simply to raise your hand right where you're seated. All of our campuses, those joining us online, you can click right there. Kendall Campus, you know our pastor is watching and praying now. And right here as well. Thank you. Thank you. Several hands to my left in the center toward the front, on the aisle toward the right. God bless you. Lord Jesus, for every person who by an uplifted hand is saying, my heart is open and I invite your spirit to come alive in me, would you bring the truth that can set them free and help them rise as we make our prayer in your name. Amen.